Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon for Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. More like Jesus, less like me. If only we could learn to fade out. But what if for one day, Jesus became us, me, you. Nothing else about your life was different, except that for 24 hours, your life was lived by Jesus. If that were to happen, what would your life look like with Jesus walking in your shoes same background, grew up in the same place, same family, same upbringing, same job, same schedule, same salary, same pantry that's always empty, shopped at the same grocery store, same crazy people on the road, same health. What would your life look like if Jesus were living your life? What, if, what would it look like if his priorities were your priorities? Or really, to be consistent, what would it be like if Jesus had your priorities? What, what if his passion for God's will drove your decision-making? What if Jesus' love and Jesus' devotion to God and his people compelled your behavior and your morality? You see, that's what Paul wrote to the believers who committed themselves to follow Jesus, just like Jordan did earlier, in a place called Philippi. Before he wrote what we've spent some time previously talking about, not worrying, he, here's how he phrased it in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 5. The, the classic NIV version reads this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, I, ladies, just settle down. Just us guys for about this long, okay? You and I both understand how thrilled we are to have somebody point out our bad attitude, right? <laughs> and you and I understand how exciting it is when somebody in our life decides to tell us, you need to fix your attitude. <laughs> All right, ladies, you can tune back in now. <laughs> Maybe if we understood it like the New Century version phrases it, it might be a little softer. Still challenging, but softer because it says this, in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Challenging, but still without the A word, right? In your lives 
you must think and act like Jesus. Would you sign up for that? Yeah, that's kind of a tall order, right? To try and learn how to think and act like Jesus? I mean, that would probably put us somewhere like this. Well, if I'm going to think and act like Jesus, I need to learn more about Jesus. And if I'm going to think and act more like Jesus, I need to love more like Jesus. And if I'm going to think and act more like Jesus, then eventually I'll look more like Jesus. But, but that's not me, right? And yet, that's who we're to become. I mean, that, that is what it says uh, about baptism when, when we were united with Christ. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4 says this, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life that knows what Jesus knew, that loved like Jesus loved, a new life that looks more like Jesus, with his habits, with his heart, with his relationship, with his prayer life with his obedience to the will of God, with his choices that he made and the lifestyle that he lived. Now, that wasn't Paul just getting carried away in some written prison rant or some manifesto he left you know, behind after he was taken out and executed. John said the very same thing. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the New Living Translation phrases it this way. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And if that's a little challenging, there's an easy-to-read version. And we need easy as much as we can get. And he simply says it this, and it's pretty tough too. If we say we live in God, we must live the way Jesus lived. Now, in, in other translations, it talks about walking as Jesus walked. And, and whether it's living like Jesus or walking like Jesus, the, the original word there is a word that you'll never remember after this. But it, well, unless I help you with this. You know, if you, if you have one potato, you got one. If you've got two potatoes, you've got a pair of potatoes. And that sounds like the original word for walk or live like Jesus, parapotato. It means how you regulate your life. It's the thermostat on your life that controls the temperature of your life and the environment around you. It's how you conduct your life. Not one potato, but two, parapotato. Now you'll remember parapotatoes, but you won't remember what it was about, but we're getting there, okay? You see, it's all about how we live our life. And that is a life that is less like me and more like Jesus. Now that's what he talks about in 1 John chapter 2, but the context around that verse is the first six verses. And, and he tells us how to live our life in a way that actually pleases God. 
Listen to how he describes it. Here's the thermostat adjustment on life. I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. Well, finally, you know, here's the secret, right? But the secret is this. I want you to live your life so that you don't sin, but if anyone does sin, okay, I'm in. If anyone does sin, speaking of Jesus, he says there is one who will go between him and the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is right with God. So when you know you ain't right with God, I know it's horrible English, but I got your attention. If you ain't right with God, Jesus is. And because he's right with God when you aren't, he can go to the Father on your behalf. Why? Because verse 2 says, he paid for our sins with his own blood. He's, you could say he's got skin in the game, only it's a little deeper than that. He did not pay for ours only. He paid for the sins of the whole world. Here's a really tough part of that. I want Jesus to forgive me. I want his blood to forgive me. I want him to give his blood so that I can be forgiven. And I know it's more of me and less of Jesus, but it's probably more realistic. I'm not so sure that I really want him to give his blood for people that I don't like. But he chose to pay for those people's sins too. He gave his blood for people who sinned against me. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his teaching. And in verse 4 he says, anyone who says, oh I know him, but does not obey his teaching? I'm just reading the Bible, okay? This isn't Ed getting ugly with you. It, it, it says, if you claim to know him, but you're not obeying him, you're, you're lying. You're just not being honest. There's no truth in him. And then by contrast, he says in verse 5, but whoever obeys his word has the love of God made complete in him. Let me help you with that. When you walk out these doors or you pull out the driveway, you're going to look to the left and see Shrek land over there with a the swamp. And you'll probably look to the right and you'll see the soybean field. I can guarantee you this. You will know this much about farming. The goal was not to run a tractor over that property. The goal was to plant a seed and pray for rain and pray for sun so that what you planted would grow so that once it was grown 
and mature, you could harvest it. That was the goal, that it would come to maturity. And that's the goal of what God's trying to do in us. That's the goal of the love of God. His objective was not just to run up and down over our life like a tracker. The objective of God and giving the blood of Jesus for our sins, the objective of God forgiving us of our sins, was so that we might be complete, matured, come to harvest time, because we finally get it and we are obedient to Him. He says this is the way to know if you belong to Christ because the one who says he belongs to Christ should live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. I'm not real good at that. I mean some days I'm better than others. Some days I'm able to keep it inside so nobody sees how bad I am at it. Other days, not so much. And that's usually when I hear you check your attitude. But how do you start living the same kind of life as Jesus? He started and finished his ministry here on earth with the same exact thought. Pretty simple, really. Follow me. Except, this is really representative of what he meant when we read, follow me. Because the original thought of the word follow was a joining of paths. I even say it's the opposite of a traffic circle. We love them so much. <laughs> but the idea of merging is so that we could all meet and continue on in the same direction. It's what he said to a guy named Andrew in John chapter 1, verse 39. When he, he said it this way. He said, merge. No, he said, come and see. But it's the same word. When Jesus said to Andrew, come and see, what he really literally said was, Andrew, I want you to merge. Get in my lane. Or when he said to Philip in John chapter 1, verse 43, follow me. It's the same thing. Merge. Merge into my lane. Or when he's found Nathaniel, a man who was just so authentic that even Jesus looked at him and said, here's a guy with no hidden agenda. Here's a man in whom there is no guile, is the way that I, re that I originally read it and memorized it. But here was Nathaniel, who was so authentic, Jesus simply said, Nathaniel, merge. Come and see. Now that means that we have to do something that most people driving today don't understand. That means we have to yield. But that's kind of the idea of following Jesus, isn't it? That's the idea of more of Jesus and less of me. That's the idea of repenting because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Jesus helped people see what life looked like when they would merge their path onto the path in the direction of God. That's why he would tell them, repent, turn around, you're going the wrong way, you've gotten off course. Or Matthew 6, verse 19 and 21, where you just say, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's merging with Jesus and his priorities. That's merging with Jesus and his values when he says, where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Or Matthew 6, verse 31 through 33, when he says, don't worry about anything. Your father knows what you need and he'll provide for them. He simply summarizes it by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Merge. Yield. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and your father who knows will provide what you know, what, what you need. Or in Matthew 10, here's what it looks like when you join paths with God as well. He, Jesus says, anyone who loves... And then he goes on to this really weird thing as he describes relationships like father or mother or son or daughter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what person you're talking about. You could even talk about anything. If you love anything or anyone more than me, you're not worthy of me. Why? Because you've gotten off course. You're not merging onto his path. You're not following him. Whoever doesn't take up his cross and merge with me. Yeah, that's not how we've learned it. But that's how, what it means. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me. It's not worthy of me. Well, most of the time, I don't feel worthy of God anyway, do you? But here's what he's talking about. Life isn't going to work if you're headed the opposite direction of God. Now, I can get that. How about you? No, I may not be perfect. I may struggle to keep it between the lines most times. But I've also learned how to correct course and how to merge back on to the same direction that God's going. That's called grace. And when I do that, I start to look more like Jesus. And, and, and that's when you, you start to see the evidence of God in your life. We, we generally tend to call it the fruit of the Spirit. The only way to live like Jesus is to let him and his spirit live in you and lead you in your life. That means if, if you're merging with God, if you've picked up your cross and dying to self so that you would merge and follow in the same direction, get on the same path as God, then you're going to see more consistency, more faithfulness, more self-control, more forgiveness, more gentleness, more joyfulness, more goodness and kindness and peace and love. And the only way that's going to happen is if all of that squeezes out me. So that there's less of me and more of him. 
Now, he promised his spirit would guide us. He promised his spirit would convict us. You know, kind of like the rumble strips on the side that are so annoying, especially if you're asleep and your driver is off the road. And, you know, and you, I mean, it's, it just drives you nuts when that happens, right? But why do they put them there? They're there for our own good. They're there not just to annoy us. They're there not just so that they can get the look. You know, and it's like, what are you doing? Are you okay? You awake? They're there to help get you back on the merged path. And that's what the Spirit of God does within us when that Spirit convicts us that we're getting off the path. He teaches us. He even promised that the Spirit would give us the right words to say at the right time, if we'll listen. Still working on that one. Probably will be till my last word. That means we learn to merge and yield our will onto the same path as the direction that God's headed. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're willing to make a deliberate choice to yield to him. Now in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, the Living Bible, I was honestly surprised because you never know what you're going to get with the Living Bible. It's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. But they really did a good job with this one. They said, I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He'll tell you where to go and what to do, and then you won't be always doing the wrong things that your own evil nature wants you to do. For we naturally love to do the evil things that are the very opposite of the Holy Spirit, of what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And the good things that we want to do when the Spirit has His way within us are the opposite of our natural desires. These two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to try to win control over us. And our wishes are never free from their pressure. More Jesus, less like me. Yeah, this is what that looks like. More Jesus and less of me means more Jesus and less of my complaining. Ooh, there's not much room for Jesus in my life there. How about you? More Jesus and less of me means less selfishness and demanding what I want, the way I want it, in the timing that I want it. Let me move a few things here to make room for a, maybe Jesus can be in the corner. Because I got my stuff over here. More Jesus and less of me means less bitterness and less gossip and less drama, less anger. More Jesus means less of me. Now, Paul would write that to the Galatians, and he would describe it 
this way. We frequently refer to it as the deeds of the flesh. But I'd like for you to consider what he says as the things that crowd out Jesus. Because he says, when you follow your own wrong inclinations, then your lives will produce these evil results. And the very first thing he talks about is pretty personal. Your impure sexual thoughts. Your sinful desires. <laughs> the Living Bible actually phrases this next one, wild living. Well, as long as I can fit it in before 9 o'clock at night, you know. Uh, you know. Worshiping false gods. Encouraging the activity of demons. Hatred and fighting. Jealousy and anger, constantly making an effort to get the best for yourself. Complaints and criticisms, feeling that everyone else is wrong except for you and those in your little group. Oh yeah, and there'll be wrong doctrine and teaching as well. And it'll result in envy and murder and drunkenness and wild parties and all that sort of thing. Let me tell you again, as I have before, he says, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you know why? Because you have gotten off the path. You're no longer merging with Jesus. You're no longer following him. Here's what more Jesus and less me actually looks like. In, in, in chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 24 and 25, he says, those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to his cross, and they've crucified them there. We're living now by the Holy Spirit's power, so let us follow the Holy Spirit's lead in every part of our lives. More Jesus, less me. That's what we're after. Jesus intended for us to imitate him. He intended for us to duplicate his life. And at first, that might seem impossible. So we come up with all kinds of excuses, right? Why there shouldn't be more of him and less of me. He was God. I'm only human. It's not my fault. At least that's what I try to float. Well, he was sinless, and that ship has sailed for me. Why bother trying? Well, he was God. He was all-powerful. He could do miracles, and me, I, I, can't, I, I can't do anything consistently. I'm weak, and I fail. I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'll, I'm just not even going to try. But remember his greatest commandment. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, I'm giving you a new command. You must love each other just as I've loved you. And if you love each other, everyone will know that you're my disciples. But then he also gave a great commission not long after that in John 20, verse 21, when he told them again, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It's kind of another way of saying, get on the road. Get on the right path. I'm sending you. So follow me. 
David, why don't you and the praise team join me on stage. We'll wrap up with this one last thought. <laughs> a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. That I would fade out and become less and less prominent. Here's the thing. I already know way more about Jesus than I'm doing. How about you? I already know way more about Jesus' attitude than my attitude shows. How about you? I already know way more about how Jesus would love somebody than I'm willing to do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.